heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Hello, hello. My name is Daniel Francis Baranowski, and I'm your commentator today on the America Out Loud Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm calling today's show Gullible's Travels. Last week's show, entitled Oh, the Fractured Fairy Tales as Told by the Left, is available as a podcast on the America Out Loud Radio Network. Today's Gullible's Travels is obviously a play on words from an incredibly old book entitled Gulliver's Travels. I recently reread this book, which I first encountered in in one of my undergrad political science courses some 50 years ago, and I found that it's got many lessons that are applicable today. Its author, Jonathan Swift, first published Gulliver's Travels in 1726. Yep, this makes this work nearly 300 years old. Its original title, which wasn't exactly a marketing gem, its original title was Travels into Several Remote Nations of the World in Four Parts, and it told the story of a fictional character called Gulliver and his bizarre travels across several remote fictional nations, four of them in fact. I can't promise you that today's gullible travels has all the same political humor, biting satire, and all of the same insights that made the original Gulliver's Travels so immensely popular. But we're going to work at it. It's the first story of Gulliver's four adventures that we're most familiar with. In this opening voyage, Gulliver finds himself shipwrecked after a storm at sea. He's lying unconscious on a beach on the mythical island of Lilliput. Gulliver eventually awakes and finds himself flat on his back, He's been tied down by a network of small ropes across his body, and miniature-sized people, no taller than six inches, were responsible for tying Gulliver down with numerous thread-like cords and stakes. Even Gulliver's long hair was secured to the beach with great-sized wooden stakes. Gulliver's first disorienting encounter after his shipwreck is one of physical entrapment by scores of diminutive people. Now, there's times when I'm in a crowded room with a lot of Democrats, sort of six-inch people. I feel the same way. Anyway, I found numerous examples in Gulliver's voyages, all four of them, to societies that claim to rule on the basis of self-proclaimed moral righteousness and superiority. Interestingly, over time, Gulliver, in this first story, finds the Lilliputans, the Lilliputans are residents of Lilliput. They, these people have only minor physical differences. You could even say they appear interchangeable and devoid of any individual identities. Of course, there are some differences, those being, of course, skin color and, and shoe style. In other words, they lack any sense of individuality. You might say that all four of the kingdoms and or worlds that Gulliver travels to 
are set up as socialist utopias. And we all know that socialist utopias have autocrats who, along with those in the shadows, you know, the shadow government, rule the so-called collective. I couldn't help but be struck by Gulliver's circumstances when compared to where we are as Americans today. Aren't conservatives lying alongside of Gulliver on the same idyllic beach, just as tied down with myriad of false narratives thrust upon us by small-minded phonies who dominate our media, our educational institutions, and now many of our political and judicial systems? The utopias I've studied have an inherent tendency to bestow privileges to the collective group, shunning the individual. They claim that this socialism is about social fairness, or in today's speak, social justice. Well, I'm delighted to report that I awoke from the utopian nightmare some, some 50 years ago, arriving at the conclusion that America is a nation of individuals, and that individualism is our strength. It allows American genius to create and thrive and deliver the highest quality of life for any society ever on this planet. Oh, this, this doesn't mean we can't align in a strong, collective, single-purpose voice when our nation is under threat by outside forces. We've convincingly won two world wars, and we've always collectively come to the aid of our allies under physical attack. But now we're being told by the left that the individual is the enemy of the good. We're being told by this radical left we must conform or not only will we fail as a nation, but we will be diminished, destroyed, even expelled from America for the nation's collective good, for the good of socialism. In today's world of the gullibles, you must buy into the group narrative and chant it to others. You must assimilate and integrate into the socialist utopian vision. In other words, what AOC is saying. By parallel, these six-inch Lilliputans turned out in Gulliver's travels to be gullibles. In our world, the majority of Democrats and radical liberals are attempting to strong-arm America into a socialist nation of one mind and one party. The only way we have to fight this, the only way we can guard against it, this gullibilism, if you will, is that we can't allow ourselves to become gullibles. So today I'd like to explore what our leaders are feeding the gullibles, whoever they may be in our country, and what they're trying to convince us of in some specific area for the purpose of really subjugating us to what they've got planned. Let's talk about some of their false narratives and purposeful false narratives they're telling us. Let's explore, let's explore some of the lies that Joe and Camilla and Pelosi and Schumer that our fourth estate, which is the media, and our educational system, what they're telling America's gullibles about how they intend to make America a more perfect collective. Democrats, radical liberals, and those propaganda institutions that support them repeat these false narratives over and over and over again until they hear them hear them back until they hear the same falsehood repeated to them. It's at this point they know they've succeeded in planting the foundational justification for some crazy legislation 
like Joe Biden's amnesty bill or the $1.9 trillion COVID-19 American Rescue Plan, where only $0.09 on the dollar went for COVID-related relief. Today I'd like to talk mostly about Joe Biden's first press conference, in particular the issue of immigration. To my mind, there's, there's not a bigger, more sinister, more problematic issue than what the Biden administration is doing to all of us through his wide-open border policy. But before we go any further, I'd, I'd like to take a moment to introduce myself. Again, I'm Daniel Francis Baranowski, and I've been a lifelong conservative. As a kid, I grew up in Mesa, Arizona, and graduated from the University of Arizona. I hold a diploma in cardiopulmonary sciences from the University of Chicago Medical Center Hospitals and Clinics, and I practiced as a registered respiratory therapist for a number of years before returning to graduate school at Harvard University. Currently, I'm retired as a teaching fellow from the Department of Health Policy and Management at the Harvard University School of Public Health in Boston. I've been very fortunate in my work that I've been able to travel most of the world and my travels have always confirmed my belief in America's goodness and foundational conservative values. I can't, I just can't possibly tell you how happy I am to be here today. Anytime Joe Biden decides to make a public address, my wife, who also happens to be a pediatric registered nurse, makes me strap on my safety harness so that nothing Joe says causes me to pop up out of my lazy boy recliner while it's still in the recliner position. Uh, Like the speech Joe gave the other day on his brand new $2.25 trillion American jobs and infrastructure nightmare, I can tell you it was a darn good thing I had my safety harness on that day. Apart from watching Joe squint his way through the teleprompter and get lost in various verbal cul-de-sacs, My blood pressure rises when he leans over the podium into the microphone and talks to us as if we're five-year-olds who haven't been hanging on his every darn word. I can't help but laugh at this all-too-real proposal. This sounds like Obama and Biden, 8 million, oh, 800 million billion, 800, I can't even say it anymore, 800 billion dollar, remember that one, shovel-ready stimulus plan? Ah, what a boondoggle that was. It created no jobs, but they manage, the good news is they manage to spend all the money. Oh, how about uh, Obamacare? Yeah, trust us. If you like your doc, you can keep your doc. If you like your plan, you can keep your plan. And in the end, we're going to save you, on average, $2,500 per year. Well, in the end, on average, it costs us $2,500 more per year, and none of the other promises were kept. Uh, but if I don't get off this subject, I'll never get to the rest of the show. So let's move along and, and talk a little bit about COVID-19. Let me ask you uh, for your thoughts on medical passports. You know, there's there's been quite a stir over the last couple of days about whether our federal government is going to get involved in mandating medical passports for travel and or entry into any government building and public event or wherever they decide to have the baseball all-star game. Uh, Of course, Democrats are dead set against photo IDs for voting, and apparently you don't need any kind of photo ID or even a passport 
to illegally cross into America and stay here for the next 60 years. But according to some, mostly Democrats, you may need a vaccine passport just to walk outside of your home. It appears uh, Biden and the Democrats really enjoy wielding fear as a power trip. And if you're a gullible, you you may find yourself worrying about this. Now, I'm happy to say I'm a Florida resident. Our governor, Ron DeSantis, DeSantis, has already come out against mandating medical passports. More importantly, he's proposing legislation that would outlaw any mandates for such passports in Florida. The governor recently said, quote, It's completely unacceptable for either the government or the private sector to impose upon you the requirement that you show proof of vaccination to just simply participate in normal society, end quote. You know, there are people who are dead set against vaccinations. There are others who won't be the first to receive any new generation of vaccines. It's true. I mean, nobody knows if there's long-term negative consequences to any one of these vaccines. But I've received both shots of Moderna, and I've had absolutely no problems whatsoever. And I'm thankful for that. I'm pro-vaccine. I advise people to get vaccinated. I think there's far more upsides to protecting against COVID-19, especially if you're over 65. And my pediatric registered nurse wife knows all about vaccines, and we raised three sons, so we've had quite a bit of experience with vaccines. If you've ever had COVID, you do have acquired immunity, but you're only about 40% protected from getting COVID again, or more importantly, and perhaps more likely, from being infected with one of those crazy variants that Dr. Fauci is always running around with his hair on fire about. But back to the COVID passport issue. I'm personally against them. I think they're totally unnecessary, and I don't think they really protect anyone any more than some of the other silliness foisted upon us by the Dr. Fauci's of the world. In any event, we're quickly approaching vaccinating all the adults who want to be vaccinated against COVID-19. There are 210 million adults in the United States, and I believe we'll be lucky if we get 75 or perhaps even as many as 80% vaccinated. That would be quite a miracle. If we do get 80% vaccinated, we most certainly will be at a herd immune level. Herd immunity or or community immunity is when a large portion of the population is immune to a specific disease, either through vaccination or natural immunity. If enough people are resistant to COVID, the virus has nowhere to go. Well, not every single individual may be immune. The group as a whole has protection. And with fewer high risks or unprotected people, infection rates drop and the coronavirus eventually peters out. There's one more short item I want to share with you about COVID-19 before moving off this subject. But first, I have to play a short Joe Biden audio clip for you. So here it goes. This week, thanks to my administration's intensive work with vaccine manufacturers and distribution efforts, the amount of vaccines that are going to be available for vaccination sites will be a new record. 33 million doses of vaccine this week. I'm reiterating my call for every governor, mayor, and local leader 
to maintain and reinstate the mask mandate. Please, this is not politics. Reinstate the mandate if you let it down. And business should require masks as well. The failure to take this virus seriously, precisely what got us in this mess in the first place. Joe sort of slurs his words there. He sounds like uh, me either very late at night or very early in the morning. Uh, first, I want to give you an interesting fact about the manufacture of these vaccines. It takes exactly 75 days from start to finish to manufacture one dose of any of these vaccines. Now, this means that the 33 million doses of vaccine that Joe's talking about began their manufacturing journey during the Trump administration. These 33 million vaccines are Trump's gift to America, not Joe's. I bring this up only because, once again, neither Joe nor anyone in his administration has given any credit whatsoever to the Warp Speed Project. Really big of Joe to take a bow and the credit. You just have to shake your head. The second thing on this short clip, which I find entertaining, is that Joe appeals to us with the same fear and admonishments that he and the Democrats have wielded against the good sense of the American public now for the last six or eight months. Of course, mandating mask wearing is political, Joe. All messages from you, Joe, for the past 50 years have been self-serving political ads. You have to be really gullible. I mean, yep, you have to be on the gullible travels bandwagon to believe this hasn't been anything but about fear, control, and politics. If I had to wear a mask to go on my four- and five-mile walks every day, I simply wouldn't be able to do it. I'm battling leukemia for the second time, and I can't tell you how thankful, how very thankful I am to live in a state where I am not a slave to some stupid mask mandate. Well, let's get on, let's get on to the next topic and be a little more cheery. Our topic is immigration. There's a poem on a bronze plaque entitled The New Colossus that's located on the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty. In part, this poem reads, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuge of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, the tempest toast to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. The poem was written by Emma Lazarus in 1883, and as I said, it graces the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty. I'm not sure what the American public in 1883 could have imagined what's been going on across our southern border since January 20th, 2021. So are you fed up with news about all the migrants crossing the border? Well, if you are, I, I sort of understand that. Well, this surge doesn't appear to have any end to it. Most of us probably don't think this flow of migrants will have much impact on us, given where we live, what's going on in our community, our busy lives. And don't we always seem to have these people, you know, rushing the border every year? There's lots of news stories about it. I think this one is different. But I, I ask you, please don't be gullible. With every new indigent, new low-skilled, relatively uneducated minor that crosses the border, 
the chances this surge will eventually affect us personally does go up. So let's take some time and really explore the border issues. Joe Biden told us at a recent press conference that the month of February, the February surge of unaccompanied minors occurs every February. He says it's because of the weather. He went on to say, quote, I'd like to think they're coming because I'm a nice guy, but it's not so, end quote. Well, he meant that by contrast with President Trump, illegals are now entering our country in an off-the-chart numbers because Joe is your basic good guy. I mean, heck, these migrants are even wearing T-shirts that plead with Joe, please let us in. Joe goes on to say, quote, The reason they're coming is that it's the time they can travel with the least likelihood of dying on the way because of the heat in the desert. That's the number one reason. And number two, they're coming because of the circumstances in their country. Anyone who's been casually following the activities on the southern border over the last five years knows that what Joe just said is patently false. In fact, it's an outright lie. And anyone who believes this is truly gullible. The seasonal pattern Joe refers to hasn't been in play for the last several years. Moreover, in the month of February, in the month of February for 2002, excuse me, for 2020, there were 36,000 apprehensions. In 19, there were 77,000 apprehensions. In 18, there were 36,000 apprehensions. So the years 18, 19, and 20, 36, 77, 36. This year, in 2021, there were over, in February, there were over 101,000 apprehensions. Now, once the March report comes out, apprehensions are likely to total 130,000. There were three more days in March, of course. And this doesn't include what border agents call the gotaways, which likely total another 70,000. That's 200,000 in March of 2021. I fail to see the seasonality here, Joe. Of course, it's hard to know what Joe remembers, especially when he mixes up whether he's in the Senate or whether he's the vice president or whether he's the current president or whether Kamala Harris is the president. His second reason that people are coming to America because of what's going on in their countries also doesn't hold a lot of water. What's been going on in their countries has been going on in their countries for the past 20 years. And in no way does this explain any part of this massive break and entry. There's currently no war going on in these countries, nor has there been for a while. Yes, there's gang violence, and we'll talk about that. Nor are there any unusual natural catastrophes forcing people to flee their country and migrate across the countries to get to America. It's beyond comical that Kamala is going to do a root cause analysis of why people are streaming into our country. They're streaming in from all over the world, not just three Central American impoverished countries. You know, when you have over 180,000 Hispanic migrants crossing the border in a month, you tend not to notice that 75 Nigerians or the 150 Ukrainians are those from over 70 different countries. But they're all part of the same process. Now, I could save Kamala not only a trip that she doesn't apparently want to make to the border, 
but the time and effort of a root cause analysis. Here's the bottom line. They're coming for the free stuff. Yeah, they're coming for the free stuff, and there's a lot of it. Welcome to the world's most generous migrant welfare refuge. Citing any other reason for this massive flow is simply a distraction. But this process is really a pathetic charade. These economically poor people are presenting themselves as if they're war-torn refugees here to apply for life-saving political asylum. Let me emphasize, they claim to be political refugees seeking the protection of America and America's asylum shield. In other words, they claim they're persecuted for their political and or religious beliefs in their home country, and they fear for their lives. That's the reason for presenting themselves as asylum seekers. But I think they're not true refugees. They're saying these things and doing these things because that's what migrant activists and attorneys are telling them to say in order to gain release into the country. And once they're in, you're likely never to hear from them again. Fewer than 20% return for their asylum hearings. And those that do, fewer than 10% of those are are actually granted uh, asylum. Those that don't qualify are given deportation notices. But guess what? They don't leave. There's nearly 2 million illegal aliens in the country who failed to go back to their home countries after receiving self-deportation notices. One of Joe Biden's early executive orders commanded U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement to stand down. ICE commanded ICE to stand down. In other words, to stop all deportation. Yes, Texas sued the Biden administration and Joe's executive order's on hold for now. But what a lawless executive order. Don't deport those who've been given deportation papers. But these immigrants will remain in the United States until the next great amnesty, which Joe plans on doing, until it gives them a path to citizenship and a reward for coming here illegally. Another glaring issue in the asylum courts are the a problem of the asylum courts. There's more than 1.2 million cases in backlog to be heard. Every day adds immensely to this backlog. We'd have to hire 5,000 judges with support and technical help to have any chance of clearing any part of this massive load. And why? We, we already know 95% of these cases will never qualify for asylum. Well, I'd like to share a series of audio clips from Joe's press conference uh, having to do with immigration. Here's the first one. If you take a look at the number of people who are coming, the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of people coming to the border and crossing are being sent back. Axios, a very liberal reporting agency, recently let us know that fewer than 13% of migrants were being returned across the border or being flown back to their countries of origin. Here's clip two. For example, of all the children who are coming across the border, over 70% are either 16 or 17 years old. We're not talking about people ripping babies from mother's arms or little three-year-olds standing on the border. Less than, I think, it's one and a half percent. So while Joe is trying to downplay that these children aren't young children, he's telling us at the same time 
because most of these youths are 16 and 17, they're going to be given a pass into the country. If they were 18, we're led to believe they'd be sent back to their country of origin. But how do we really know they're 17 or 16 or even 18? Don't you feel like we're being played? Whatever. These 16 and 17-year-olds will be on your lawn detail next week, trust me. They'll be working for 60% of what that lawn service contractor would pay a legal worker. The money they earn will be off the contractor's books, and the migrant will send 50% back to a family member in their home country so that that member can save to pay a coyote to travel the next family member to the States. And what about this nonsense of ripping young children from their mother's arms? I am so tired of this lie. And look who's telling it. It's the President of the United States. If you've ever met a border agent, you know these are family men and women. None of them ever mistreat children or mothers. Nor did President Trump. I suppose this is just Joe being a uniter. The, the first of the second questions you asked, and that is, what about dealing with families? Why are not some not going back? Because Mexico is refusing to take them back. They're saying they won't take them back, not all of them. We're in negotiations with the president of Mexico. I think we're going to see that change. They should all be going back, all be going back. Joe's full of hot air. If his head weren't loaded with lead, he would just float and blow away. Joe's actions don't match any part of his rhetoric. They, they never have. Well, we're going to take a break right here. Stay with me, come back, and we'll get the Gullibles Travels Part 2. Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Now, never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. It's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran-owned businesses as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together, and we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement, and veterans. Fighting every day against the internet monopolies that are trying to stifle our right to free speech and freedom of assembly. Five years on the air and we will not be silenced. 
America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Ho ho, thank you for coming back to Gullibles Part 2. You know, during the break, over the wires, a new report came in that there's 61,000 more people on unemployment, have filed for unemployment this week than the week before. I'm not surprised, given that COVID bill that just went through. You know, a lot of people are getting paid more to stay at home until September than to go to work. It's going to be interesting to see whether a lot of this labor, this walking into the country, is going to pick up the slack in a lot of those jobs and uh, how that's going to work out going forward. Very interesting. I don't know also if you saw the the bit yesterday with with uh, Laura Trump, uh, who's a favorite, I think, to win the Senate in North Carolina in 2022. She was going to interview uh, her father-in-law, Donald, last night uh, live. And um, apparently that was going to be a big deal, first live interview since he's left the presidency. And, of, of course, Facebook and Instagram decided to get in the act and, and cancel any anything to do with uh, having Trump's voice on their networks. So that was, that's a little bit irritating, too. But anyway, back to the back to the border. And back to the wall. You know, Joe in his first day in office, as I said before, couldn't wait to blow up Trump's stay in Mexico or the border wall construction. You know, we're still paying contractors a million dollars a day for label for labor and uh, and wall supplies that we're never going to use to complete the wall. Those are contracts that were signed, and they're going to get paid regardless of what happens. Instead, we're left with large drive-through holes in a wall that have become superhighways for migrant traffickers. And the money flows into Mexico. Cartels are making an estimated $15 million a day on border activities and human smuggling. It's a wonderful product line. I, I believe Joe canceled the stay in Mexico deal and stopped the wall out of sheer contempt for Trump. And he just about says it all the time. But he did it to please his party, the radical left as well. They want this migrant flow so that they can form another identity group to add to their armamentarium of identity political groups. Trust me, we're soon going to hear Brown Lives Matter. And I'm waiting to see how this will sit with the Black Lives Matter crew. You know, if you tweet All Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter, you're likely to get suspended or canceled on Twitter. You may know, you may know this, but every year we naturalize a million new citizens. Yeah, these are people who actually followed the laws. They came to America legally. They learned the language. They learned the basic historical facts about America. They paid their attorneys' fees. They helped them process their papers. They also supported themselves while they were here for five or six years. That's how long it takes to get through this process. Aren't they the fools? If I was one, I, I would certainly feel this way. Joe Biden's made a mockery of asylum and legal immigration. He's a great pretender, and he wants to be like Lincoln, the great emancipator. Instead, he's president of illegal aliens. I wouldn't mind this if he wasn't the president of the citizens of the United States of America. Don't you think citizens ought to come first? Well, I'm sorry to be so tough on poor old Joe. 
On this matter, and like so many other matters, I do feel like Gulliver, lying flat on my back, tied down by a million stupid Democrat policy threads. Listen, I've, I've done my time volunteering for international health care services and health care educational programs in many of these Latin countries. Moreover, I, I grew up in Arizona, a border state. I don't pretend to know all the problems that plague the people south of our very porous border, but I do know the way this is being handled by Uncle Joe and his minions is a massive national security risk, and it, it's just plain unfair to American citizens. And no, I'm not happy. My tax bill is going to go up in support of a plan meant to surreptitiously benefit the Democratic Party, or the Democrat Party, excuse me, by changing the demography of this nation. Did Democrats really vote for Joe knowing that he was going to flood the country with migrants from across the world? Uh, was this in his first 100-day plan? I never saw it, did you? Well, you have to ask yourself, what's, what is the purpose of having immigration laws? Well, it's not always been this way. We all have been, haven't always done immigration right. I thought immigration policy was first and foremost directed at embracing migrants that would add unique skills, talents, and abilities to our country. We don't need more people in our country. We don't need more cheap labor and an economy that's automating more jobs every day. If we'd limit the 700,000 abortions that happen in the U.S. every year, we'd have plenty of young people around. But the Democrats can't wait for kids to grow up. So we're importing potential new voters now. Potential Democrat voters, that is. Anyway, I've always thought there should be some merit to the qualifications to become a citizen of the United States. And I'm really tired of hearing, we're a nation of immigrants. You know, every nation is a nation of immigrants. The world didn't just instantly create countries and populate them at the end of the 17th century. We all have a common origin. If Ancestry.com could trace us back 25,000 years, we'd all find we have a lot in common. Many of our ancestors were there together and migrated to open spaces before there were countries. That's how the countries came about. And there's a, this, this talk about immigration during the Ellis Island days. Didn't all those people come here poor? Yeah, a lot of those people came to this country with six bucks in their pocket. I don't remember any stories about them being on free health care, food stamps, hotel rooms, free education, and transportation. My Polish aunts and uncles and grandparents and great-parents, great-grandparents, they didn't have any stories like that. Recently, at the request of the Biden Department of Justice, the Supreme Court dismissed all pending Trump cases against the use of the public charge immigration rule. The application of the public charge rules made it harder to obtain a green card for aliens who accepted public assistance benefits such as food stamps, Medicaid, government subsidized or paid housing. Trump was simply trying to disincentivize aliens from illegally entering the country, accepting welfare, and then applying for citizenship. We don't have to pay people to come here. 
we don't need people that badly, believe me. Those going through the legal process have supported themselves while they've been here in this country. But this is no longer a necessary thing since there's no longer really a public charge rule. Uh, well, the, the, the rule's still there, but the Biden administration's not going to enforce it. If they did enforce it, it would work against what the Democrats are trying to do. And why is that, you ask? Now, Joe Biden's using our taxpayer money and federal agents to stuff future Democrats into the country. And then he has the nerve to talk about amnesty and a federal takeover of states' rights to run elections. This is the perfect setup so that when new immigrants can vote, they can vote as soon as 2024 if H.R. 1 passes the Senate and Biden will surely sign it. That's right, H.R. 1 allows for same-day registration, requires no identification to register, and no identification to vote. In fact, it makes it unlawful to ask or challenge someone's identity when voting or registering to vote. This means you do not have to prove residency. You don't even have to prove citizenship. Now, at times I can be gullible, but, but not with this stuff. Nobody could be this much of a fool just to let this slip on by. Can we be this gullible? Well, let's, let's throw some numbers around. Maybe numbers will help. We still have over 40,000 homeless veterans. Yes, 40,000. 26 is the usual number given of veterans committing suicide every day. But 40,000 are living homeless on the streets in dire need, not only of shelter, but importantly a purpose and a continuing role for them to play in the country they served in uniform. <sighs> Here in America... Here in America, there are more than 10 million children who were officially designated poor before the current coronavirus pandemic. This is according to official government uh, statistics, or statistics, depending on your point of view. This statistic is, is, is so right, but in every other way, it's so incredibly wrong. In 2019, 14.4% of kids in this country Kids of citizens, citizen kids, were living in poverty as measured by the official U.S. poverty rate. These children of U.S. citizens are living with constant food insecurity, questionable shelter, and questionable supervision. By the end of the year, we're going to let into this country a quarter million, 250,000 unaccompanied alien children into our country permanently. Because unlike Trump, Biden is not going to let them starve to death on the other side of the Rio Grande River. Now, maybe the veterans and these poor kids ought to get themselves across the southern border and re-enter the country as migrants. President Joe Biden's administration, yep, Homeland Security to be specific, just secured an $86 million contract. Now, $86 million, it's like chump change. We used to think that billions with the B was big stuff. Now we only talk in the Biden administration in trillions. So this is not in the T category at all. It's only 86 million. But it's a contract for hotels to house migrants in Texas and Arizona. So what is this going to do for them? This will provide housing for 1,200 migrants for six months. 
Give me a break. Of course, why should we worry about it? It's the government's money, right, anyway? Hello, the government doesn't have its own money. The only money they have is the money they take from us in taxes. Well, recently they're just printing their own money, and uh, maybe they'll get around to taxing us. Well, be assured they will get around to that. So why with 40,000 homeless veterans, 26 of them committing suicide every day, and let's just throw in 11 million citizen children living in poverty, why in tarnation are we cutting hotel, hotel deals for 1,200 migrants? You know the United Nations says people fleeing their country and seeking asylum, fleeing because of fear for their life. They're seeking asylum in another country. They must stop at the first stable country in their path and apply for asylum there. All these people would end up in Mexico. They'd, they'd, uh, that'd be the dead end right there. They wouldn't get any further. And the people in Honduras would have to stop in Guatemala. So, you know, it, go figure. This has become a major joke. Not only do residents from Honduras and El Salvador pass through various countries to get here, they just keep on trucking until they get to the world's greatest migrant welfare nation. Heck, there are thousands of people coming from Eastern Europe, Africa, and the Middle East. Some of these people are passing through multiple continents just to get here to claim our gen generous political asylum benefits. Well, I've got another clip for you. Hold on. The idea that I'm going to say, which I would never do, if an unaccompanied child ends up at the border, we're just going to let him starve to death and stay on the other side. No previous administration did that either, except Trump. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. That's why I've asked the Vice President of the United States yesterday to be the lead person on dealing with focusing on the fundamental reasons why people leave Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador in the first place. It's because of earthquakes, floods. It's because of lack of food. It's because of gang violence. It's because of a whole range of things that when I was vice president had the same obligation to deal with unaccompanied children, I was able to get it slowed up significantly by working with the heads of state of those communities. Boy, boy, oh boy, this is a whopper, Joe. This is a slur not only on Trump and Trump supporters, but a nasty, below-the-belt punch to our Customs and Border Patrol agents. Do you remember the photos and videos of agents using their own pre-reimbursed money to buy diapers and formula for children in 2019 when migrants were rushing the border because construction on the Trump wall had begun? That's what led to all that surge in 19, by the way. That's back in the good old days, the good old Trump days of transparency. Trump would let people see it all. He didn't hold anybody back. Illegals, however, took Trump seriously. Biden has held a gag order, a blackout on photos, video, Border Patrol information, Border Patrol ride-alongs for 70 days until 18 U.S. Republican senators took a little trip down to the border and took their own videos. If you want to save kids from gang violence, by the way, why don't you start with Chicago and L.A.? You don't have to send Kamala to a foreign land to find something to do for children. And yet another really low, cheap shot at Trump. Oh, my nerve. One more clip. Did you move too quickly to roll back some of the executive orders of your predecessor? 
First of all, all the policies that are underway were not helping at all. Did not slow up the amount of immigration and as many people coming. And rolling back the policies of separating children from their, from their mothers, make no apology for that. Rolling back the policies of uh, remain in Mexico, sitting on the edge of the Rio Grande in a muddy circumstance with not enough to eat, I make no apologies for that. I make no apologies for ending programs that did not exist before Trump became president that have an incredibly negative impact on the law, international law, as well as on human dignity. And so I make no apologies for that. I am surprised Joe's nose isn't 10 feet long at this point in his first press conference. Nobody challenged Joe on any of this stuff, by the way, at the press conference. Let's stop all this nonsense about some of them will be sent back. Let's also stop with all the nonsense that if we don't let these unaccompanied alien children into the country, they're going to remain at the very last foothold along the Rio Grande River and either starve to death or drown. Do you know that during the Trump years, Border Patrol was allowed to quickly fly back unaccompanied alien children to their home countries, even those homes that were more than 2,000 miles away? That's a way to stop all of this baloney of people sending their kids up here with coyotes. Yet the press allows Biden to get away with saying that Trump would have left these children at the border to starve to death. Biden's supposed to be the president of the United States, not some hack, you know, chopping away with political crap like this. I believe that what's happening at the border right now at this very moment, it's proof that Trump's policies were working remarkably well. Nobody was being harmed. Unaccompanied alien children weren't being trafficked by coyotes to the states. If Joe can't see the difference between last year and now, I'm deeply concerned as he's in charge of anything that has to do with national security. So Joe's been sending his Secretary of Homeland Security, Mr. Mayorkas, sort of a bully if you ask me, Sending him out to speak on the usual Sunday shows. Here's a clip. Joining me now is the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. Good morning, Mr. Secretary. I want to start right there. We heard the sheriff say it, the governor say it, and the migrants I spoke to say it. They are coming across because they believe they will be welcomed under the Biden administration. You said yourself three weeks ago, we're not saying don't come. We're saying don't come now. President Biden had a stronger message later. But the messages are mixed at best, Mr. Secretary. Martha, good morning. Uh, the message is quite clear. Do not come. Uh, the border is closed. The border is secure. We are expelling uh, families. We are expelling single adults under um, the CDC's authority, under Title 42 of the United States Code, because we are in the midst of a pandemic, and that is a public health uh, imperative. We are encouraging children not to come. Now is not the time to come. Do not come. The journey is dangerous. We are building safe, orderly, and humane ways to address the needs of vulnerable children. Do not come. Well, the first part of this message is patently false. 
there are very few migrants being returned. Joe said as much when he said Mexico won't take them back. Secondly, the cartels know the game. The cartels know this game so well. They're not going to traffic anyone who doesn't fit the model for entry. Either they can get a non-family fill-in youth to travel with an adult to get the adult in, or they don't bother. Now, do you believe anything that Secretary Mayorkas just said? Or do our eyes deceive us? The Secretary says he's using Title 42 of the CDC rule that allows border agents to immediately expel migrants illegally crossing into our country based on the current COVID-19 pandemic. That may be going on for adults, but he's waived it for family units and for all unaccompanied minors. Under Secretary Mayorkas Title 42, the anti-coronavirus measure meant to disallow people from entering the country during this pandemic has been completely diluted. Only one in six migrant families have been rejected at the border using Title 42 since Biden's inauguration day. And what a strange message. Come, but don't come now. Don't come now. Come later. Wait until we build hundreds of thousands of more greet, meet, and welcome facilities before making the journey. Secretary Mayorkas has asked the Pentagon to lend them some space. So the Secretary of Defense has opened 5,000 beds at Fort Bliss. How long do you think that's going to last? What are the immigration plans? How many more millions are we letting in? Joe Biden, nor his Secretary of Homeland Security, what an oxymoron that is, have done anything to stem this flow they created by shredding every one of President Trump's policies that finally brought border stability. It seems only reasonable to me that when your bathtub is overflowing, you don't go downstairs and get a mop and a bucket. Doesn't it just make sense that the first thing you would do is turn the darn water off? Isn't this the problem right now? People are streaming across the border, and we're complaining that we don't have enough facilities to accommodate all this illegal activity. That we must build more, we must build back more shelters. That somehow, past administration had cruelly demolished facilities that housed untoward millions. All of this is just so terribly false. The Trump administration had just completed the Donna Center in Texas. This center is licensed to hold up to a thousand people. And you've heard, I'm sure, on the news, under COVID restrictions, they're licensed for 250 people. They're currently housing 4,100 people, 4,100 people, and a facility licensed for 250. And somehow that's Donald Trump's fault? Can we afford another 9-11 because border agents are too busy processing aliens to pay attention to the holes Biden left in our southern border wall when he stopped its construction? The Biden administration has no answers for any of the questions like how many, when will this stop, what is the long-term plan. They even look at you with an indignant uh, stare when you venture to ask such misanthropic questions. Here's something I thought was pretty interesting. Recently, the Gallup CEO issued a very curious tweet. It reads, quote, Gallup CEO sends a friendly warning to Joe Biden. 
42 million people south of the Texas border want to take you up on your offer of entry into the U.S. What's the 10-year plan? Question mark. 330 million citizens are wondering. End quote. I've told you before the Gallup organization did a worldwide survey in 2018 on immigration. They estimate that about 750 million people worldwide would move to the U.S. in a heartbeat. So what's the plan, Joe? And talking about plans, Joe, what about all the crime victims of illegal aliens? Who compensates these Americans for damages, especially the victims of crime perpetrated every hour of every day of every week by aliens who should have never been let into the country and once caught should have never been allowed back in? But every day we hear a story of manslaughter on the roads by an alcoholic alien driving under the influence. Migration activists oppose any federal efforts to enforce any type of immigration law, especially those associated with crime. You constantly hear that illegal migrants are less likely to commit crimes than than U.S. citizens. But this simply isn't true when it comes to federal crimes. Undocumented aliens comprise about 7% of our population, yet they account for 64% of all federal arrests in 2018. Last time I got stats. Too bad we don't have current stats. I seriously doubt they're lower. And these arrests aren't just for immigration crimes. Illegal aliens accounted for more than 24% of all federal drug arrests, 25% of all federal property arrests, 28% of all federal fraud arrests. And we haven't even gotten into the stats about human trafficking and murders. Plus, I personally know an angel mom whose son, a sergeant on the Mesa, Arizona police force, who was killed by an illegal alien. Unfortunately, this lovely woman has far too many friends that are also angel moms in those far too many angel families. Well, we're coming quickly to an end of our time together, and I'd like to share with you some satire on preposterous scientific projects and Legato, which is another mythical island in Gulliver's third voyage. Among other things, the School of Political Projects at the Academy of Legato was working on these these items back in 1726. Here they are as follows. To teach ministers of government to be guided by the public good. They're working on a scheme to persuade kings to choose favorites on the basis of wisdom, capacity, and virtue. They're working on a project to always reward merit and the ability when choosing for em- people for employment. They're working on a project that every legislator should be given certain medicines which will keep them in a fit mental condition so that they should not talk any nonsense during the whole session of the Legislative Assembly. There's many more, and I'd love to share them with you, perhaps next time. Thank you again for being with me. All my best.